On December 14th, 2012, I put my first grade son and my third grade daughter on the school bus and I waved goodbye. And I promised that I'd see them tomorrow because you see, we had a great plan. <laughs> my husband and I were getting out of town for the night and we were leaving our four kids at home with my mom and dad. And I was real excited, but I was also a little nervous. You know, I never, never got away, just the two of us. And so I planned everything <laughs> like their pickup mealtimes, bedtime routine. I thought of everything to ensure that things went smoothly while mom was out of town. But I was not the only one with plans that day. A very sick young man in our town had also made plans. And his plan was to force his way into my children's elementary school in Sandy Hook, Connecticut, and murder as many children as he possibly could two weeks before Christmas. Twenty. Innocent children with plans to make gingerbread houses that day were shot and killed in their classroom. Six innocent educators with plans to teach were shot and killed in their attempt to protect them. In a matter of minutes, plans were destroyed. <laughs> Families forever changed, and the world was brought to its knees. How do you cope with an unjust suffering like that? How do you make sense of the absolute senseless, right? And how do you believe in a God who allows that to happen? It's been over eight years since that dreaded morning, but every time I talk about it, it's like it's happening all over again, you know? To say that it was traumatic, it's an understatement. And while there has been much healing, there's also been this residual suffering. There is no way that you can measure the emotional and psychological damage that results from a tragedy like that. Now, there's been a rise in cases of anxiety, depression, OCD, addiction. That's just my family. Divorce and suicide have wreaked havoc. I've watched good friends walk away from the faith while we've built foundations to honor those that we lost and causes are being fought fiercely, right? All in the name of our trying to find purpose in unimaginable pain. And I've been observing. I've been watching this response to unjust suffering, and I've reached the conclusion there are only two. Walk away from God or walk towards him. And I'm here to tell you today that you're walking away. It's not going to work. It doesn't answer your question of why. It doesn't bring you true inner peace. Walking away from God in your time of suffering will simply prolong your suffering. But how do we walk towards a God who appears to have walked away from us first? How do we embrace unjust suffering? That's what I want to talk about today. I know that's not a fun talk, is it? <laughs> right? You don't want to look at your suffering. You want to ignore it. If you don't believe me, check your screen time before you go to bed tonight. But we got to look at it. We got to. Because the cross, my friends, it's not an option. It's reality. And it's the one thing that we've all got in common. And as Christians who are called to imitate Christ was not his whole life a cross and a martyrdom. I mean, Jesus was innocent and Jesus suffered. And so I've got to believe that he has left us this example of unjust suffering for a really good reason. And that the joy and the peace that we're all searching for, right? Like in all the wrong places, they can only be found by way of the cross. And that our unjust sufferings, oh, they are not interruptions in your life, but invitations into Christ's. And I love that. I could say that because I didn't come up with it. <laughs> and it's been Our Lady who has shown me the way.
And doesn't that make perfect sense, right? Because who loved Jesus more? Who trusted in God's plan? Who participated more closely in the pain and suffering of our Savior than our Heavenly Mother? The Blessed Virgin Mary, she's helped me. She's helped me to cope with unjust suffering by teaching me three things. One, stop asking why. Two, do whatever he says. And three, stand at the foot of the cross. And I want to unpack these just a little bit. So number one is stop asking why. We love to do it though, right? It's just the age-old response to suffering. Why? Because we don't understand it. And we so badly want to understand why God permits bad things to happen, right? But here's the problem with asking why. You're never going to get an answer. And if you did, like, honestly, would you be okay with it? Right? Fun fact. You cannot hold on to your faith while chasing your need to know why. Dr. James Dobson, he's an American evangelical Christian and author and psychologist, and he says, pain and suffering are not the factors that shreds one's faith. Confusion is. He goes on to say that we actually have the capacity to withstand an enormous amount of suffering, providing that our circumstances make sense. So how do we combat this confusion? How do we combat it? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, it tells us, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Great. What does that tell us? Well, it tells me that my confusion, it's not of God. And so then I've got to ask the next question, right? Who's it from? And I know the answer to that one. The enemy, the devil, Satan's father of lies. It's a murderer. And if you think I'm being dramatic, then you, my friend, need to read scripture. Because on the morning of the shooting, as the events began to unfold, my heart dropped as the names of the children who were murdered were slowly revealed. They were first graders. It was my son's grade. And my first thought, it wasn't why. It was the devil is real. This is because I'm like a crazy Satan worshiper. No, my friends, it's the exact opposite. It's because I had already fallen madly in love with Jesus. See, I knew who God was, and that was not of him. A year prior to the shooting, the Lord led me to encounter him in scripture. Guys, I was reading the Bible. I was studying his word. I was learning his characteristics and his traits. I could spot the lie because I knew the truth better. Because I was reading scripture. I know it's crazy, right? A Catholic reading the Bible? Right? Yeah. Like, what is it? What is it about us? I mean, in my defense, I was born in 1970, okay? 70s catechesis, it was a lot of felt and glue and God is love, right? It would be 40 years before I would read a Bible. Actually, that's not true. I did kind of open a Bible once in high school, and I would love to tell you that it was because I had a spiritual awakening. But actually what I had, I had this rose corsage. It was from my high school prom, and I wanted to save the flowers. And remember what we used to do? We would press them between two pieces of wax paper, and I needed a heavy book to do the job, right? So I looked for a Bible. It's terrible. It's terrible. I heard Kimberly Hahn speak once. I'll never forget. She said, Protestants don't have a special gene that helps them to memorize scripture. Catholics can do it too, right? And we all laughed hysterically because we were so guilty. <laughs> My favorite scripture is the Annunciation, right? Teenage Mary just going about her day when the unimaginable breaks through 
and invites her to say no to everything she had planned in exchange for saying yes to God's plan, a plan that came with no guarantee but required total surrender, and she never asked why. Why not that other Jewish girl at the end of the road? She's a good fit, right? Or how about why now, right? I just got betrothed. The guy says nothing. He's perfect, right? No, she never asked why, but she did ask how. How can this be? Because you see, Mary's not like us. She doesn't need proof. She just asked for instructions. Total acceptance of God's will over our own. It is going to require that we, just like Mary, are okay with the consequences ahead of time. And good grief. This is insanely hard. How did she do it? I believe it was her knowledge of scripture. Mary believed that God was who he said he was. Blessed is she who believed, right? That great Magnificat, that song of praise to her cousin Elizabeth, it's believed to echo the words of Hannah. Hannah's prayer in Old Testament, chapter two, first book of Samuel, go home, look it up, get into scripture. We need to. So that in our time of suffering, we can go to God and we can allow him to reveal to us who he is and not some crazy person on Twitter. We got to get into scripture. And we got to put ourselves in the story. I've spent hours in the Annunciation. I just plant myself next to Our Lady when the gay angel Gabriel comes through, right, and reveals to her the role that God has created for her. Have you ever had your own Annunciation moment? Have you ever experienced God breaking through your well-laid-out plans and just sort of screwing it all up, right? I mean, maybe it's when the phone rang at 2 a.m. Or when you got the exact diagnosis you prayed to God you wouldn't get. Or maybe when you find something in your kid's backpack. I don't know what your it is, but I know you have it, right? It's that thing that happens and life as you planned it appears to be over when in reality, I believe that life as God knows it, as he has planned, our true role has actually just begun. And I am not implying that that's easy to accept. But what I am saying is if we take the time to get to know God in his word personally, intimately, and if we station ourselves next to Mary, she will show us how to lose the why that only leads to confusion and instead how to echo her how that always leads to God's instruction. Stop asking why and then do whatever he says. <laughs> Famous words spoken by Our Lady, right? At the Feast of Cana, the hostess runs out of wine and so it's Mary who brings their need to Jesus. This is more than Mary being a good Jewish mother. <laughs> this is Mary doing the will of God. Because she knew, she knew that once her son performed that public miracle, God's plan of salvation would be in full effect and there would be no turning back. And I'm going to be completely honest with you right now. There have been times in my own life where doing whatever he said is terrifying and looks like God's worst idea ever. You know, I want to do God's will, but when it means I'm going to suffer, I kind of want him to do my will just a little bit more. And the truth is, I'm afraid. I'm scared. I'm afraid that if I do whatever he says, things are going to end badly. When the call to obedience means that I might be hated or misunderstood or God forbid I could lose a loved one, I avoid it at all costs. And I grasp on to my ungodly self-reliance, believing the lie that a little obedience is good enough. This is the struggle, my friends. This is the struggle between living life in the flesh and living life in the spirit. And out of fear, too many times, I choose 
the flesh. And we cannot be obedient when we respond out of this earthly perspective. A game changer for me in this area of obedience, it's a book written by St. Louis de Montfort called True Devotion to Mary. In it, he's got these 10 principal virtues of Our Lady, profound humility, lively faith, divine wisdom, continual mental prayer, mortification in all things, ardent charity, heroic patience, angelic sweetness, divine purity, and blind obedience. Another game changer, a book called Into Your Hands, Father, Abandoning Ourselves to the God Who Loves Us, written by Wilfred Stinnison. And you know what he has to say? He says this, he says that Mary lived with her eyes continually turned towards God. Her gaze was one single question. What would you have me do? From Mary, I'm learning to take my eyes off of the crisis and put them on Christ. Instead of reacting, I'm trying to ponder. And you know, it's so funny because I used to imagine Our Lady at the foot of the cross so angry, so confused, watching the murder of her innocent son, you know. But the more I meditate on this virtue of blind obedience, the more I realize that as sorrowful and distressed as she was, Mary's only desire for her life was to do the will of God. And so she would have said out of obedience, the same words to Jesus on the cross that she said at Cana, do whatever he says. And she stood. I remember when my sister pointed this out to me just days after the shooting. The Mary, she didn't go fetal at the foot of the cross. Now she stood and it's my favorite image of Our Lady. I love them all. The sweet ones with their hands folded or cradling infant Jesus. But I don't know, as a mom who has been invited into unjust suffering, I kind of need a stronger image. And guess what, my friends? You do too. Because we have all been invited to participate in the unjust suffering of our innocent Lord. Our God, who was arrested, bound, questioned, mocked, interrogated, tortured, handed over and crucified, not because he did anything wrong, but because he knew that we would. He wants us to learn from our sufferings. He wants to reveal things to us about ourselves that we could never uncover on our own. And so he invites us to willingly embrace our cross so that we don't always share, only share in his suffering, but so that we too get to share in his glory. And because he is a good father, gives us a good mother. And he puts her at the foot of the cross and he commands to us, behold your mother. She is a warrior. She didn't just stand at that cross one day. Mm -mm. She keeps stationed there day after day after day. And she waits for us. And she invites us to participate in her suffering, teaching us how to withstand our own. I will never understand a tragedy like Sandy Hook. 20 innocent children. Six innocent educators, not on this side of the veil, will I ever wrap my head around that. But I am confident of this. As author John Paul Thomas has written, Jesus was innocent. And it is precisely his innocence that made his death a sacrifice. His innocence transformed his punishment into an atoning sacrifice for the salvation of the world. 
look, it is never going to be our human tendency to embrace the cross and love it, right? But that's why we have Mary. Go to her. Run to her. Because that great unimaginable interruption in your life, oh, that, my friends, that just might be your invitation to salvation. And so when you receive it, ask yourself, how will I respond? Thank you.